Hey everyone, some really exciting news. It's August 19th and on August 20th, Happy Keto Body, my 12-week video training program for women all based on how to do keto as a lady is launching again. So we weren't planning on launching Happy Keto Body again until 2019, but on book tour and through chatting with a bunch of you, you all said you really wanted us to launch again. So if you go to happyketobody.com, the program will be open for enrollment on August 20th, 2018. So that's tomorrow. So check with your partner, the powers that be, your boss, whoever you need to check with in order to see if Happy Keto Body will work well for you. Have those conversations. Um, the page is there right now so you can check it out, see what it's all about. And then enrollment will open for just a couple of days. You'll have until the 26th of August at 1159 Pacific to sign up for the next round of Happy Keto Body. Now, on the book tour, a lot of people didn't know all the benefits of Happy Keto Body, even though they grabbed it. And especially our VIPs didn't know that as a Happy Keto Body VIP, you get endless coaching calls. So, so when you sign up as a Happy Keto Body VIP, you're going to get six coaching calls in this period, but you're also going to get six coaching calls the next period and the next period, the coaching calls just continue giving. You have lifetime access. We're always adding new videos. In fact, we've added, I think more than six videos, this go around and a bunch of new resources. So it's always ebbing and flowing with new research that's coming out on keto. So if you are interested in Happy Keto Body, head on over to happyketobody.com. There's a little section there where you can sign up for our newsletter so that you're alerted the moment it opens. So I'm giving you a head start so that you know that it's coming and nobody else is going to know. So again, chat with the powers that be and hopefully I will see you inside the program. Okay, now you're listening to episode number 99 of the Keto Diet Podcast, and today we're chatting about the delicate balance with keto and friends, the best time of day to fast, and what your body could be, plus so much more. This topic is super important to me because, well, first off, I'm chatting with one of my best buds, Vanessa, about all things fasting and keto and women and being keto women in the space and fasting on top of that, um, and I really feel like more of this conversation needs to happen in keto and I'm trying my darndest to make it all happen. So I'm just hoping that this conversation today will help those that need it. And then my mission is complete. You can grab today's podcast extra by going to healthfulpursuit.com slash podcast slash e 99. And that's going to include all the details we share today, plus a bunch of links and resources as we go through it. My only cool thing to share with you today is that Happy Keto Body is open for enrollment tomorrow. It's so exciting. I'm super pumped for it. Okay, let's do this thing. Welcome to the Keto Diet Podcast, the show all about keto for women, so you can burn fat, balance your hormones, heal your body, quickly adapt to a ketogenic diet, avoid common struggles, and get the results you crave. And now, here's your host. You might know her as the Keto Queen. She's the international best-selling author of The Keto Diet, founder of Happy Keto Body, and she loves dipping pork rinds in avocado oil mayo, Leanne Vogel.
Today's guest is Vanessa Spina. She's a worldwide speaker, author, and advocate for the ketogenic way of life. She's the author of the best-selling book, Keto Essentials, and the founder of ketogenicgirl.com, which provides effective ketogenic meal plans and coaching for healing the body with real foods, as well as achieving weight loss. She has coached over 3,000 people to date on her popular program based on the therapeutic approach to keto combined with intermittent fasting, which is known as the 28-day ketogenic girl challenge. So if you like this episode with Vanessa, check out the first episode that we did together on the Keto Diet Podcast, where we chatted all about how to reach optimal ketosis. You can head on over to episode 83 by downloading that episode on your favorite podcast player, or you can head on over to healthfulpursuit.com slash podcast slash e. 83. And if you're like, I love all the fasting information, tell me all your secrets. If you have a copy of my digital program, The Keto Beginning, you can find out all about fasting in chapter six. And if you have Fat Fueled, you can read all about fasting in chapter five, which just so happens to start on page 72 in both of my programs. No, I didn't plan that. How cool is that? Okay, let's jump over to this interview. Hey, Vanessa, how's it going? It's going so well, Anne. Thanks so much for inviting me on the show today. Yeah, we always have a blast when we chat and now it's over video. So it's like we're right beside each other. I, it's really cool to get to see your face. Honestly, like I love your voice, but it's really cool to get to see you too. Yeah, it's so much better. So I love to ask every guest and you know what I'm going to ask because I've asked you this before, but what does keto mean to you? Well, when you asked me on the podcast before, I really said to me, keto is about love and self-love. I also love how it really, for me, comes back down to impacting the future potentially for ourselves and for other people in our friends and family who may be able to prevent and biohack and, and improve their health in different ways because of a ketogenic diet, because it's, to me, it means optimal health. It also means love. You know, I said before, it's the best way to me that you can communicate to your body that you love it is by nourishing it because you can say affirmations and you can like hug yourself and stuff, but the best way to communicate with your body is by what you put in it and what you give it. And if you give it the best, most nourishing food, it's going to feel loved, you know? So I think that's a big part of it and just loving other people in your life and wanting to them to live as long as possible with proper whole foods nutrition. Yeah, that's a beautiful answer. And something that I struggle with constantly personally, because I see people in my life that are struggling, like my dad has had cancer twice and just recently, like within the last, I would say month he's finally eating keto. Like it has taken five years of me eating keto, writing a book, going on tour all of these times. And my uncle um, just had another heart attack, which I mean, so, so horrible because he eats so many carbs and his, his doctor, his cardiologist keeps saying like, don't eat fat, like stop eating bacon, stop eating butter, you know, have the cookies, but make it with margarine, like all the things. No, I, yeah. When I was in Calgary recently, um, I broke down at the dinner table crying and being so frustrated that like, we're not doctors and I don't pretend to be a doctor, but sometimes I just, I get so, 
I don't know. Do you get that way? Just like charged up? Like, why is this world so broken? (laughs) And like, ah, you know, my uncle's so sick. And if he would just listen. And I think my dad seeing me that frustrated, like I was crying and I was yelling out words and I was just so angry. He's like, whoa, I think I need to adjust this. Like Leanne is super passionate about this. Like there's something happening. And that was like the switch of like, maybe I should eat keto. But do you find that too in your life of just like, oh, I just want to shake you. And <laughs> it's so funny because Pete and I were talking about this this weekend, just when we were away. Um, and for me, I've always really believed that you can only provide information to people when they're ready for it, because if they're not ready for it and they're not asking you for it, then it's just going to be like talking to a wall. And you want to be able to provide that information when someone comes to you and says like, okay, I'm ready. Like, tell me everything. But then Pete also kind of challenged me on that. And because we were talking about Parkinson's, there's a lot of it in his family and, you know, Alzheimer's is, you know, an epidemic and it's being reclassified in some ways as diabetes type three. And, you know, he's like, why don't you contact some of these organizations and talk to them about keto? And I was like, well, it's like, what about Michael J. Fox? Like, what if you just contacted him and talked to him about keto? And I'm like, but they have to be ready. Like they have to be ready to receive that information. And he's like, but what if you contact them? Like, he's like, I might in his career in finance, he's like, I work with these mining companies. And when I was starting out, I was like, they're never going to listen to me. Like, and then I contacted these huge mining companies and like Newmont Mining and they would like get back to me. He's like, you never know. Like, maybe you should be doing more of that. So it's, it's really interesting to talk about with you, like with family members, I will only talk about it and friends if they come to me because I can't be that annoying person in everyone's life who just is like imposing it on people because I don't think that they're going to hear it. But then there is that balance of like, well, how do you like, you have to push a little, maybe in certain situations, um, it's a really delicate balance because you don't want to alienate friends or family members, you know? So I admire you for like throwing a hissy fit and being like, Hey, like I'm really frustrated about this and talking about it because it's hard to do. It is. It's so hard to do and watch. And it's like, oh, I wish I, you know, I wish I could help you. But you're right. When they're not ready, you're just going to waste a lot of time and energy pushing for something that they're just not ready for. I hope you're totally digging this episode. I love putting these together every week and I hope you're getting something out of it. I love seeing where you're listening from. So next time you're listening or even right now, take a picture of yourself watching the show or a screenshot of your favorite episode and tag me on Instagram at healthful pursuit. And if social isn't your thing, that's totally fine. Just jump on your favorite podcast player and leave a review for the show. Okay, back to the good stuff. I wanted to kind of chat with you about your experience with fasting and kind of how you found it. I, I'd love to just pick your brain because you've been eating keto for so long, as have I. And, you know, your keto changes over time. And I think a lot of people don't grasp that concept. And where I've noticed the most change with my ketogenic diet, well, one of the biggest changes is my relationship to fasting. So I'd love to chat with you a little bit about how you started fasting and then how that transitioned to what you do today with your fasting. Sure. And I'm totally thinking like about how I'm going to ask you about this now when we do have you on the podcast, which I think maybe tomorrow. But yeah, so for me, I, I'm just going to talk about 
personally, like how I've applied it in different ways. So uh, I think it's really, really cool that there's so much information coming out now about it, especially with related to clinical research and autophagy. And, you know, this man, I, I wrote down his name so that I could pronounce it, I, but I, I think it's Yoshinori. Yoshi, oh, I need to find yes. again. Yeah, um, I don't know how to say his name either. Yeah. Okay. So we'll just pretend that I said it properly. And uh, (laughs) um, he deserves all the credit for discovering autophagy and its benefits. But I was looking at fasting a long time ago online as like I was with keto stuff. There was a website, I think it's still in existence called like the Cure Zone maybe. And it was like one of those places where you could find really esoteric information, just like you'd go on Reddit to find stuff about keto or bodybuilding forums and stuff. And a lot of people were using it kind of as, you know, interventions in their health when it was kind of a last resort, you know? So I think it's really cool that that did benefit a lot of people, but then now people are also learning from fasting and taking it, you know, more to this place of how can I incorporate healthy fasting into my diet? So for me personally, I like to practice, I've, I now refer to it more as time restricted eating. I've made it the basis of how I nourish myself. And also like, I know we're talking about me, but also on my program, I incorporate time restricted eating because there's so much incredible research now that's coming out about time restricted eating and how the thing that I always say, like when I was on my book tour, I talked about this. What I love the most about keto is it's a fasting mimicking diet. So you can get so many of the benefits from fasting without actually having to forego food. And you can also get so many of the benefits from eating within certain times, which is so, so cool. Like You've probably heard, you know, Dr. Sachin Panda talk about time-restricted eating and his studies that he's done where they put rats on the same diet, two different groups, and one of them, they'll do this time-restricted eating within an eating window, and they'll just have them eat, stop eating earlier in the day. They're eating the exact same food, but because they're more aligned with their circadian rhythms, they are getting increased fat loss and long like longevity benefits and and all these things. So I personally like to practice time-restricted eating and I'm trying to eat earlier and stop eating earlier and earlier in the day. Uh, When Pete and I were in Tanzania, uh, I was trying to play around with it because I usually like most people on keto will eat, start eating later in the day. But then if you have your first meal, like I do, or like probably yourself and many other people like in the early afternoon, but then you don't want to be keeping the eating window really late just because you started late, like until eight, nine, 10 PM. You know, they say within three hours of bedtime is when your melatonin production starts. So you want to stop eating before that and around that time. So like 7 PM, 6 PM is really ideal, but the earlier in the day that you close the eating window, the better it is. So when we were in Tanzania, I did um, an experiment and I, we started our days really, really early, 5, 6 a.m. So I would stop eating around 2. And Dr. Jason Fung and Megan Ramos have been putting out some of this research as well about uh, stopping to eat around 2 or 3 in the afternoon. And I found that it was challenging. A lot of it is 
just that like evening meal for me, if I could pick one, it'd just be the evening meal. Like that's when I'm the hungriest. That's when like we're relaxed. That's when, you know, my husband and I have our bonding like time together. Uh, so skipping dinner or having not skipping it, but having it earlier in the day, having that second meal for me, I do two meals a day, having it early in the day is a little weird, but it was okay on vacation. Cause we would have like our main meal together. We'd have like a late breakfast brunch and then have a second meal earlier. And then he would go and have his dinner like afterwards. But what Dr. Jason Fung was saying that it's weird at first. And for most people, it takes a couple of weeks. And then afterwards, it becomes like really easy and normal. I don't know if that's going to work for me long term. I think for me, what's working best is Pete and I are starting to do like the early bird special. which is like I'm finding out is amazing so going for dinner at four o'clock you get deals like meals are cheaper you really like there's no one else in the restaurant you never have to make a reservation there's always space for you uh we're starting to eat like you would you know if you were a senior citizen and it is (laughs) cool like you get all these benefits like i'm not kidding like every restaurant has an early bird special you never have to compete like table space you know eating at 4 35 and then like you find that i've been finding and he's been finding because you you're so aligned with your circadian rhythm then we start going to bed earlier naturally and we start getting tired earlier and so it seems to be way more aligned with our circadian rhythms i think our daily circadian clocks is to be maybe finishing eating by five uh is kind of my goal right now i I think any earlier than that like closing it by two or three is like too drastic and it just doesn't work with our our schedule so you have to find something that works like for your schedule right I love that you brought this up because it's something that I have, I don't even know if you can say trying. I just started noticing that I was waking up wanting breakfast every morning. And so I don't know, I think, well, it really started when I went on the book tour because of the schedule and the timing, like I'm busy from like 4 p.m. to 9 p.m. And after you get off the book tour, you know, like you're so jazzed up, you're so excited, you have so much energy and you don't really feel like eating. So then I was finding, okay, well, I'll have my dinner before the signing event, which I didn't do the last book tour. And so I was eating dinner at like four o'clock. And then after the signing event, I would just, you know, go back to the hotel, maybe do some yoga, pass out and repeat. And so for the last five weeks now, I've been doing it this way and I haven't really noticed a difference other than, I don't know, there's something so nice about making dinner for yourself like earlier in the day. Do you feel that way too? It's just, there's more time. And then in the evening, you you have like this huge chunk of time where you can do whatever you need to do and food isn't part of that. Yeah, I'm really, really liking doing that. And I think that, you know, what's interesting, Dr. Sachin Panda said that in the studies where they had the eating window closed, say like at 6 p.m. So this is something I've been doing for a long time. There's other times we'll all like end up snacking or eating while we're watching shows. But for the most part, like I'm pretty good at sticking to it. But the more nourished you are from your meals during the day, the less like night eating or night snacking or anything plays can be a a challenge for people. But one of the biggest things that he found is that people were losing fat and gaining all these health benefits, mainly because there's something about that like 6 p.m. after dinner to bedtime where people eat the worst things. Yes. (laughs) 
Like it's almost, you know, you have, we all know like we have a certain reserve of willpower every day and it's almost like you've been using it all day long and then you get to like 6 or 7 p.m. and you're like, okay, like bring on like the wine, the chocolate, you know, the the ice cream, like all these things. Like that's when we do the worst eating. Like we're not eating ice cream at lunchtime on our work break. Like we're not eating ice cream in the morning. We're not, you know, having wine in the morning. Like all these things are kind of socially acceptable norms, but it's almost like you get to the end of the day. And that's like, if you've used willpower for exercise that day, if you've used it for working hard and being focused that day, you actually run out. And so that's, it's like the most dangerous time nutritionally for people to you know, overindulge. And he said that in their studies, they found that that's when people ate all of their, they consumed all their alcohol. They consumed all of their like sugary treats. Everything was like in that period. So just closing the window at six or 7 PM meant that they were not just aligning with circadian rhythms, but also that they were naturally foregoing all of these foods because, you know, it's just, it's habit. It's like running out of willpower. It's like for me, if Pete and I are watching uh, programs at night, I, I get really, really bored and I have to do something else. Whereas like if I'm on the couch reading, I'm so engaged and in the flow because that's a flow activity for me or writing that I don't feel any kind of desire to snack or, or drink anything. If I do, like I'll just have a herbal tea and it like it's, I don't even like end up drinking it half the time. It's just habit of like making something and having something. I'm glad you say that you're not the only one who makes a tea and then it just sits there. (laughs) (laughs) What's up with that? Like, (laughs) I do this constantly, like at least three times a week. I just like make a herbal tea and it's like this action of like boiling the water and picking out the tea and putting it. And then I just sits in the fridge. I'm just like, okay, well, you know, I'll put it in my water bottle and drink it tomorrow. And I end up drinking it the next day cold, but it's like, why do I continue to do this to myself? It's a great way to make iced tea for yourself the next day. Oh, that's good. Okay, so I'm sure a bunch of women just heard you say a bunch of things and was like, but but like, what if I'm hungry at 8 p.m.? Like, how do you how do you maintain such a great relationship with your body? And I don't want to call them goals, but just like how you choose to treat your body when it comes to nutrition and your certain types of fasting protocols. Like, how do you... How do you manage that? I really learned that the key to sticking to your goals, especially if you're, say, wanting to do time-restricted eating and not eat or drink or break habits that you've had for years in the evening, really comes down to being as well-nourished as possible during your eating window. So if that's you open it like at 9 or 10 a.m. and you close it at 4 or 5 p.m., which would be ideal to close it that early in the day probably – if you're someone who likes to go to bed earlier and be aligned with circadian clock, it's really making sure that you're giving your body as much of that, you know, those essential amino acids, fatty acids, nutrients, vitamins during the day and making sure that you're full. And you'll find that having those snacking inclinations and things, cravings, like they often come from not having met your nutritional needs during the day So you're having cravings, like if you're having cravings for cheese or salty things, it's usually like an indicator you might not have eaten enough protein that day, which I heard from Ted Naiman, like we crave umami type foods. If you're craving like chocolate, there's all these different things that you could be craving. It could just be an indicator that, you know, it's so easy to do on standard American diet. You're not getting your 
your basic nutrients. Probably if you're doing time restricted eating, I can't imagine doing that on that kind of like a high carb diet or zero fat diet or anything. You have to have that in place first. And, you know, being keto adapted for me definitely helps with that. But as long as I nourish my body really well, and I've had an interesting experience upping my protein recently doing the carnivore trial that I've been on, that I find I'm tuning into my body more. I'm asking it more what it wants. The more healthy nutrition and the more the nutritional needs are met, the more when I say, do you actually want chocolate right now? Or do you actually want this right now? My body goes, no, I'm good. And it, it sounds simplistic, but it does happen if your body is being well nourished and well fed and having all these nutrient needs met that you might not have if you're not on a you know well-formulated whole foods diet. Yeah, I love that. My big question that I ask myself, especially when we're in places like Oregon, where they have gluten-free bakeries everywhere. And I I love gluten-free treats. I've been gluten-free for like over 10 years. So when there's a good bakery and they have awesome things, I'm going to treat myself. But it's interesting. Before I had a good relationship with my body, anytime there'd be a gluten-free bakery, keto or not, I would go there and I would have something. But, you know, over the last year or so, I constantly ask myself, like, do you want to go to the bakery? And oftentimes it's no, like, it's just, no, I, I don't, I don't want that. Like, I'd rather go home and make a big bowl of grass fed ground beef and eat it with some mayonnaise and some greens. That to me sounds way better. And I love the, the relationship you have with your body when it comes to just that permission. I think a lot of a lot of people get stuck on the fact that you have a choice and this is a choice and your body's on your side. I actually posted something recently. I can't remember what it was. It must've been like a quote image or something on Instagram. And um, one lady said, basically, I, I was saying, your body didn't leave, you did. And what I meant by that is like, you know, the the slogans like, get your body back. And, you know, your, your body's here. It didn't go anywhere, but you lost trust in it. And one lady said, yeah, but my body's a total jerk and I hate it. And it, it does wrong. And I was like, oh, really? You? And I thought it was a joke. I was like, you don't actually feel that way. And she's like, yeah, I hate it. I absolutely hate it. Oh, that just like, it, I teared up and I get so emotional that people feel this way. And I remember feeling this way and it was such a horrible feeling. And then I think that when you go with that mentality about your body, when it comes to your eating style, it's a hot mess. Like, would you agree that keto can be done the loving way? And you've seen keto being and fasting and all the things done the not so loving way and the difference in the approaches? Yeah, I definitely can relate to being feeling trapped in my own body and hating it and feeling like, why am I stuck in this body? Other people have bodies that like they feel so comfortable in and yet I just want to fully express myself. I want to be able to like wear clothing easily that's really like low, low maintenance, have like a low maintenance lifestyle where I can just throw on like a pair of shorts and like feel good in it and just go out in public as opposed to putting all this time and energy into trying to hide my body and accentuate the right things and just hating the fact that it was full of pain and feeling like my number one wish, you know, we talked about this when we were in Austin about having kids, like I really wanted to start a family 
you know, with my husband and I was like, I'm never going to be able to do this. And if I do, it's going to be hell on earth because I can't stand in the kitchen and prepare a meal for more than a couple of hours of being standing, standing in the kitchen without having back pain. So how am I going to run after kids? How am I going to do all these things when my body hurts? I remember waking up and having a headache like every day and that being the norm and being like, I wonder what's going to hurt today. Like having that kind of pain all the time, it's really hard not to hate being in your body and feeling like uncomfortable in your body because you're overweight, feeling like you don't have body confidence. It's really easy to hate your body. I think for me, so, and I love that you brought this up because so much of the journey with keto, like we talk so much about how it's a lifestyle and it's so much more than just what you're eating. It's nourishing your body well, but also there's so much appreciation for your body that has to happen. Like I always like to picture ourselves like these trillions of little minions that they're just like working so hard they're like i'm just trying to keep you alive and like i'm just trying to you know do what's best for you and yet they're getting all these inputs that are not helping them to be able to do their job properly they're getting all these things that are throwing them off all the time and they're just working so hard you know to keep us alive and to keep us well but they need that raw material they need those building blocks they need those things in order to be able to heal us and enable us like once your body is functioning really well homeostasis letting go of that excess weight which is a symptom of like imbalance in your body you know having no pain like all pain and waking all these things are just indicators that there's fundamentally things that are happening in the body that it's screaming to you that there's things it doesn't like what you're putting in it. It doesn't like what you're doing to it. It doesn't like me running for, you know, an hour and a half to two hours on the treadmill. It doesn't like it. You know, I'm going to give you pain. Like these are all indicators. So there's so much of like, I love picturing all those little minions like working and just sending them love. And like, I remember doing meditations where like, I would like think about my toes and I love my toes and then toenails and like my ankles. And, you know, there was a, that was a really big component. Like in this journey was learning to love and appreciate the body. And then when you stop and think what my body could potentially be, like, what if my body was everything that it could potentially be, what would that feel like? Like how much would I love being in that body, that body that's like pain-free, full of energy, you know, um, so body confident, so easy to express myself. Like what would that feel like? And how much would you love your body? And why do you have to wait until certain things line up in order to be able to love it that much. Why can't you just love it that much now? Oh yeah. Mic drop. (laughs) Yes. It's, it's so true. And it can be um, really challenging. It can be a challenging concept for people that are so lost and deep in it. I remember listening to conversations like this when I was just starting keto and trying to figure everything out. Would you agree? And and you mentioned it a little bit, but I want to reiterate when you eat keto and you've been doing it for quite some time, some magical things happen where this stuff just comes easier. And I wish I could really conceptualize what the things are. I think um, it'd be really cool if some scientists got together to figure out what's happening, that it's just so much easier to like love and accept our bodies as they are while we're eating keto. Um, But would you agree that that it becomes a lot easier as you're eating keto to have these conversations and truly believe in the stuff we're talking about? Yeah. And I think like you and I are talking about this a little bit in person too, when we were in Austin about how, 
you know, when your body is functioning so well, and like you and I both like to talk about our mitochondria, like firing on all cylinders and all these different things that are happening, your brain needs healthy fats to function. So much of what we experience in our lives is through our brain, through our you know, frontal cortex or hypothalamus, our pituitary gland, they all need to be functioning well. And we need fat in our diet in order for our brain to function well, in order for us to think properly. So if we're depriving our body of all these nutrients, but especially fats, you know, how is the brain that we experience life through even going to enable us to be able to have that kind of higher level, like thinking and living and experiencing life? So I really, I do agree with you. I think so much of it comes down to, you know, and scientists can probably study it, but it, it basically is just so logical to me that if your brain is getting everything it needs, your cells are getting everything they need to be functioning optimally, that the way that you experience life, your body, everything is going to be so fundamentally powerfully different because we experience so much through our brains, through our senses, like that, that's, it seems natural to me that it would happen and it does get easier the longer you do it, I think a lot of that probably comes down to the fact that it's just Mm self-reinforcing, you know, you feel better and then you are like, you get more motivation to want to do it longer and do more because you're getting like results and the results themselves push you to like, you know, keep wanting to do it. Yes. So amazing. Um, so Vanessa, where can people find more from you if they want to follow you and all the things, if they don't follow you already, what the heck guys? (laughs) What the heck? Uh, my most active social media is probably Instagram, but if you want to send me any kind of message or interact with me, the best place to find me is on Facebook and it's the ketogenic girl. And that's where I'm always there answering messages. I'm doing full-time support for all of our members on my challenge. So I'm always over there. It's the best place to reach me. If you send me a DM or email or something, I'm just terrible with those. So uh, <laughs> Facebook is the best place to reach me. If you have any questions, I love answering questions and providing any, any feedback that I can. And Instagram is really active uh, on the comments and stuff. If you ask me questions, there, I love to interact that way. So those are my most, and my podcast as well, Fast Keto Podcast, you can follow on iTunes. I love it. I know when I'm doing interviews, like somebody's interviewing me, they're like, where can people find you? And um, I always forget 10 things that I do. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, right. I have a podcast. Yes. You should definitely yes. listen to that. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh man. Well, thanks again for coming on the show, Vanessa. It's always a blast chatting with you. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, Leanne. Thanks for listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. Join us again next Sunday to discover more Keto for Women secrets for your fat-fueled life. The Keto Diet Podcast, including show notes and links, provides information in respect to healthy living, recipes, nutrition, and diet, and is intended for informational purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor is it to be confused as such. We cannot guarantee that the information provided on the Keto Diet Podcasts reflects the most up-to-date medical research. Information is provided without any representations or warranties of any kind. Please consult a qualified physician for medical advice and always seek the advice of a qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program.